Hello, hello. Welcome to New Perspectives on Reality. This is episode number two. How is our reality created so we know how to change it? My name is Paul Hanrider. So here's a big topic. How is our reality created? So first, let's kind of look at the perspective that the world around us is a collective set of realities. So to help clarify this, let's say let's say first I was born in in a Canadian family, for example. I was grown up with Christianity or the Catholic Church. There's a certain set of rules that society creates to be a Canadian person. So it's like freedom of movement, freedom of getting your job, going to school, having enough money to do those things. Uh, the Catholic religion will teach you in not being a sinner, being a good person, um, to be married, to have the sacraments, blah, 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 blah. So that's my reality. That kind of frames everything. Like when I'm going to date, it'll frame, uh, oh, well, you don't have sex before marriage, or that is a sin, or whatever. So it creates a certain set of rules, and, and think of it as like a fence around your reality. So now if I'm that same person, and I was born in India, for example, well, am I born into uh, a lower class or upper class or middle class uh, caste or, or, or sector of society? My perspective will be completely different. If I'm born into a lower caste, maybe I'm treated like a sheep almost, uh, don't have a lot of money, don't have the possibility of school, um, maybe don't know a religion in the same way. It's definitely not a Catholic religion. Um, and being, I'm not an Indian person, I can't really speak to every perspective, uh, but in a country that's very densely populated, so housing is is uh, troublesome. Maybe you lived in poverty, maybe you lived in, in hunger. Um, not having the same freedoms, all of a sudden the perspective is different. I'm not allowed to do that. I can't have this kind of job. My upbringing doesn't allow me to have education, etc., etc. So all of a sudden, if you start looking at these things, and, and not to mention the fact Gender can make a huge difference, male versus female, in, in how you're brought up. Um, for example, in China, right? Female children were not uh, wanted for a very long time, so there's a huge skew to male children. Uh, women were treated kind of poorly, in my understanding, where male babies would carry on the name, have uh, heirs, etc. So just when you start to begin to realize that there's a vast difference in how your reality, what you're allowed to do, what your possibilities are, will be based on your upbringing, your social conditioning, what country you live in, what religion you had, what government you're under, how repressive it was, all these different kinds of things will give you a different view on the world. I like to think of it as, I used to, I did a course one time and we put these carpet tiles on the floor and there was this like kind of picture window and we, you go like five feet this way and go and sit on one carpet tile and the, the colors would be different. The view of the world would look different from that carpet tile. We'd move over to another carpet tile and now all of a sudden the sun's shining on us and the world feels different. This is what reality is to people. Um, if you want to even try something here, here's an interesting experiment. Let's say you were born and your mother was colorblind and she called green red and red green. 
and you grew up knowing that and nobody ever corrected you or said something different, you walked into society, you would be opposite to the traditional or the collective uh, idea of what color is. Now, are you wrong? No, this all comes from our parents. This is where our first level of reality comes from, is what our parents teach us. Hey, you can't touch a hot stove. Hey, you can't uh, walk down the stairs because you'll fall down or whatever. These are things that are taught that uh, uh, define us. And then they start to grow into our subconscious. And then it's literally like the fence or the wall that we're walking around. So can you imagine walking into the world and saying red is green and green is red and everybody's like thinking you're nuts or you're stopping at the wrong lights and smashing into other cars and uh, other stuff. That's how fundamental one tiny little piece can change your whole reality. And it makes the realities not fit and things kind of go kind of messy. So just keep this perspective underneath as we start to unravel some of how our reality is created. So as I spoke in, in uh, the last podcast, um, our early childhood development, all the way up to about the age of eight, we soak up everything that our parents tell us. It's the only way that we can get a full human perspective uh, in the short period of time we're growing up, right? You need to learn everything about reality, what to touch, what to do, how not to get eaten by lions, how not to fall down the stairs, how to use a toilet, use the stove, uh, the f- fridge, the, the sink. Um, these are all things that are trained into us, uh, entrained. It's, it's not like we're consciously being taught or learned. We're just following by example is the very first thing. So what does mom do when she's at the stove? She goes and grabs the pot, uh, handle and pulls it back and forth. So you may, as a child, just as you start walking, now be able to reach the pot handle and he, you want to be like mom. So you're going to do that. Well, and then mom comes and she'll slap her hand and say your hand and say, don't do that. You're going to burn yourself. This is how we're learning, right? So touch the pot like mom while there's no requirement on what age you are or whatever. So you'll go and try and do it. And then mom will say, stop. And then there'll be a rule that I can't touch that. But at some point when you get old enough, I don't know, what are you, 10 or whatever, and now all of a sudden you're allowed to cook on the stove, make a grilled cheese sandwich or something. You're going to have to go against that original rule, which was slap on the hand, don't touch that, to now I trust you because now you know how to be around a hot stove without burning yourself. So think of many, many, many other things. Um, What clothing you wear. Um, Do you pee standing up or sitting down? Um, Little things like that are things that are imparted by our parents as we grow up when you get potty trained. Well, you don't go pee on the carpet or in your bed or in your clothes or whatever. They will regressively over and over and again train us to go sit on the toilet and how to wipe ourselves and touch uh, uh, and clean the toilet and and keep things tidy and, and that kind of thing. So we start to grow all these things. Now, under the normal day-to-day stuff that we're growing, like how to use a a knife, how to go to the washing machine and how to put the laundry soap in and, and sort colors from lights and darks and all this kind of stuff are all given by some example shared by your parents. Now there's a certain amount of stuff that's underneath our parents' uh, conscious awareness as well, what's in their subconscious. If a parent grew up in a scarcity environment, which a lot of our parents did, like the people that were in the 30s and, and 40s and 50s, the dirty 30s, those kind of things, there was a, uh, 
a very strong not enough or conserve or money doesn't grow on trees or just be lucky you have food because they grew up in that trauma. They grew up in that event, which was a trauma to their body, and now they're entrained that there's scarcity. So you may have a scarcity mindset. If your grandparents trained that into your parents and then your parents didn't adapt that and change or grow into an abundance uh, idea, you may have a scarcity so do you save the foam packaging from things and do you protect it? I know when my grandmother passed away, they had massive amounts of all this stuff because from her scarcity, you would save egg cartons and you would save the boxes that things came in and, and this kind of stuff. So it made a massive task to clean out her house and, and, and sell her estate. Um, so do you have scarcity? If you had a mother that had been abused as a child or earlier in life, she may create some wounds around uh sexuality or or who you should be around or or what you should do or how women should dress uh those may be in your perspective don't show your cleavage don't show skin don't show these things may be programmed into you or uh let's say they say you're fat for example i grew up with with that my mother was overweight and i was overweight and i had to go to weight watchers and all this kind of stuff and that stuck with me but you want to know something my clothes are a size large and I wear a 36 pants, which is the normal size for most men. But you can feel overweight and you can feel bad and, and uh, other things because this is programmed into your mentality. So how does that affect you? Do you feel confident, confident with women or men? Do you uh, really like to show your body or do you just kind of dress in, in uh, baggy, shabby clothes because you ha- are still carrying that perspective? Now, that perspective might not be true. Like as I'm growing now, or as I'm moving through it now, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm uh, a large size. I'm not fat by any means or whatever, but I had to look past that, that not worthy, that other things that said uh, I couldn't be attractive. I couldn't be, because this was all programmed into me. I had some traumas that were in my marriage that uh, caused me to doubt myself. And those created things that went into my dating after I had a divorce. And, and am I worthy of having a, a beautiful woman come into my life? Am I worthy of uh, sexuality, of, of dating, of pleasure, of, of all these things? And it'll just sit with you. And it's just that thing that's eroding and looking at you. But you have to go and constantly get a new perspective on your reality. Why do I believe this? What are other people like? Am I comparing myself to other people? Am I like, I had that mentality inside of me and I wasn't even looking at what the rest of the population looked like. And then I was just comparing myself without even looking in the mirror to say, are we the same? Bald hair. Here's another example. You can't see it in the, in the podcast, but I'm bald headed. Yeah. I got a little toilet seat on the top of my head or whatever. I now know that that's an excess of testosterone causes that in a man. Does it make me less manly or more manly or whatever? No, those hormones that are in my body have eaten away some of the, the hair follicles. And there's ways that you can treat that. And is less testosterone less manly? I don't know. All I know is this is how I grew up. This is how my hair was. But it may have some judgment from women or other people that, holy cow, he's bald and that's not good or whatever. Well, I grow lots of hair on my face. I got a beard and a mustache. It grows everywhere else on my body, but on that part of my body, it's not. How does that affect my perspective of, am I equal to a man with a full head of hair? Questions for you, right? What on your body are you not happy with? What is the thing that kind of makes you feel lesser than other people? 
I went and did some workshops in my past where uh, these are edgy ones or whatever, but you would um, go into a group with people and these were kind of more um, edgy kind of workshops, but you'd, you'd undress with other people and not for the fact of sex or anything like this, but this was an exercise in exploring something really powerful. And you, you basically go and speak about your body. You'd have three people, other people in the group. It'd be mixed men and women. And you'd talk about your body and say, hey, look at this. My chest is hairy or look at I've got fat or look at look at I've got man boobs or, or whatever because I have a little weight there or whatever. You start to look at all this stuff and you're just talking about your story. But then all of a sudden this like next person is a, a what I'd consider a 10 young woman or whatever. And she's saying almost the same things. Look at, there's too much hair on my here. There's a little hair under my nose. And oh, look at my breasts are too small or they're too big. Or look at how flabby I am down here or whatever. And it was so crazy to hear people that I thought were beautiful or, or like 10s out of 10 having the exact same body shames as I did. Now, why is that? That's not the same reality that's being compared between two people. It, it shocked me and it actually made it very easy for me to, to not worry about my body anymore. And uh, it's, a, it's a very powerful, edgy exercise that can be done. But it showed me that the society shames everybody. If you're beautiful, look at the models that are bulimic and, and aren't eating enough food because they're too fat and they're like a size zero and they're still... Uh, thinking they're fat. Well, our society does that. Uh, look at the people that are being uh, told to show more and more skin because they want to be sexy, but at the same time, they're ashamed and they don't want sexy and they don't like the attention that they have, but society's programming this. So we end up with these really mangled uh, kind of parts of our reality. I don't know how else to describe it. You, you look at it and everybody's having similar shame. And as long as people are in shame, they just feel not worthy, not good enough. They'll give their power away and crazy things happen. So what about your body? Don't you like now do a, a comparison after this show, go and look at some magazines and videos. Magazines are the worst place to look because everything's photoshopped and everybody's tuned up and all this kind of stuff. But go just walk around in the mall. I love to sit in the mall, just on those benches in the middle of the mall and just watch people. Just watch them. Just like, hey, look at that. Look at that. And you're going to get a very quick demographic. There's a lot of people that are truly overweight, like 100 pounds overweight or whatever and, and have true health concerns that come with that. Uh, but there's also a lot of people that, like uh, women, that'll dress in really baggy sweatshirts and stuff that covers their bum and, and all this kind of stuff because they've got shame about it or they don't want to be seen or, or other things. There's the, this big fragment of all this programming that you'll see in how people dress, how they act, how they perform. So start to look into that and then start to look at it and say, okay, what am I doing in this? How is this affecting me? How am I not being my full self? How am I holding myself back? And you'll start to be really surprised. Now, there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on in society, like uh, what's healthy food and what is good for you and what's bad for you. And there's all these crazy things that are out there and it'll control what you eat in your diet. Oh, if you eat too much bacon, you'll get 
whatever LDL cholesterol and now you're going to have a heart attack or whatever. But at the same time, there's people in that exact same reality that are grandfathers and, and lived on a farm for their whole life and had a half a pound of bacon for breakfast every morning. It was part of their life and they never got sick. They never died. They didn't have heart disease. They didn't have any of these things. But as we get taught and programmed and says, this is bad. Oh, look at that. Soft drinks are bad. They're full of sugar or whatever. Well, some people drink them and they're not getting diabetes. They're not doing all these things. These are all things that are built into our reality for different purposes. But once you start to kind of drill down and you start to believe that something's bad for you, guess what? You're going to get, it's going to be bad for you. Um, a pound of bacon. If you say it's bad for you, your cholesterol, this is how powerful our brains are. Once we believe something as truth, we let it be part of our reality. How many people do you know that have a completely different belief about something and uh, it serves them, but it, it doesn't work for you? Um, give me a minute to try and think of a, a, a good example, but there's lots of things where people's realities are different. If you grew up uh, in, in, a, in an Indian culture or whatever, stuff like curry and, and this kind of stuff, which is really powerful and normal in their food is very good for their body and cleanses it and stuff like this. But if somebody else eats some of these very warm curries, their body might be overheated and they might be uh, feeling these strange effects or sm smells coming from their uh, perspiration or whatever because our body has never experienced that. It's never tried that before. So what's really yummy in one perspective might be way too hot and, and cause you diarrhea afterwards or, or something because... First, you've been sensitized differently, but also your body is is used to what's normal for food. In in an Indian culture, there's a lot of really spicy and, and these kind of things. But in a North American culture, your body probably hasn't been prepared for spicy. It, does it make one good or the bad or the other? No, they're just different and you need to acclimatize to it. The beliefs come with it, how your body reacts, what feels good, what tastes good, all these kind of things. People are completely different beings when you start looking at them. The more and more, have you ever had somebody that's from another culture, like Chinese culture or whatever? Or, for example, Japanese is a good one because my my uh, ex-wife was Japanese. But the culture is very uh, respectful and it believes in honoring the elders and lots of uh, kind of like bows and, and respect and taking your shoes off at the door and how you eat a meal and you can't put your chopsticks in the food uh, because it reminds the, the culture of uh, the incense that's burning for a dead person. So it's kind of unlucky or, or whatever. Until you learn these things, until you've been immersed in the cultures, it might sound uh, strange. Like at the end of names, you might say San or Kun or, or whatever. Kun might be a brother. Like uh, my son's name is Kyle, Kyle Kun. But I wouldn't say Kyle San because he's my son. But he might say Paul-san or whatever because I'm, I'm dad, but we don't follow those cultural things. But if I went there and, and I met her father, it would be uh, Tomatsu-san. Um, but that would be the respect and I'd have a bow and I'd respect the father or whatever. But in Western culture, we don't have anything like that. It might be shake hands with your boyfriend's or girlfriend's uh, uh, father or mother, but not much else. So if, if I miss that, it'd be a big cultural slip and I might 
feel like I'm being disrespectful. But if they can say, okay, well, he's in Western, how does that work in your life? How do, how do those little tweaks change your reality, change how you have to respect a person? How do you have to be different when you're going into that situation where respect is required? Um, so let's talk even deeper. Okay, so things like laws in our world, right? So our society says, hey, you've got to stop at a stop sign for three seconds to, to come to a full complete stop or else a police officer can give you a ticket for not stopping or whatever. Um, these are all things that are programmed into our reality. So now we drive differently and we, we don't zoom through stop signs or maybe we're a rebel and, and we don't believe in that. So we'll zoom through stop signs when, when it's safe and nobody's around. Uh, but if you zoom through stop signs and didn't check if it was safe or that nobody was around, how much of an accident could you cause? How much pain and suffering could you cause to somebody else because you sideswiped them because you weren't following rules? Well, guess what? Rules hurt us into doing things in a certain way that's predictable so that other people can interact with you. But how many rules, pardon me, do you know that you don't like or, or want to follow through with, right? Um, just trying to think of some off the top of my head, but there's, there's so many, like... Like, oh, the bank gets to d d decide when your interest is due on your credit card or whatever. And they change the dates sometimes and every month it's different and, and you're always maybe just missing a payment by a little bit or whatever. Well, how's that useful? Like what happened to the end of the month and the beginning of the month as normal times? Well, I find mine filter all around and I miss it by a day once in a while because those rules, somebody set an arbitrary rule. Uh, here, here's another good one. So you go to the grocery store now and it's like $2 for an item, it says, and then underneath it says in batches of three. But if you don't buy it at that, it's $2.47. So now you got to pay six bucks or two forty-seven. Well, if you're a single person or you're on limited income or whatever, how is that aiding anyone? In the old days, it was like uh, uh, buy two for four dollars or or whatever why don't they advertise it as that um but no they advertise it as if you're going to buy one and put in the small print and then you get a big surprise well what's 50 well 47 cents that's almost 50 cents it's like 25 percent more for the exact same product otherwise you got to have a whole bunch in your cupboard and they go stale and blah 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 Look at the rules that are going on in there. What are the things that are forcing your buying habits without you actually being consciously uh, aware of it? What dictates how your relationships are? Hey, what's dating to you and how does dating work? Well, can you imagine if I grew up Catholic and this other person, person grew up atheist, the, the girl I'm going to date, what expectations of dating her would be different? So it'd be like, okay, you grew up atheist or whatever, you have no perceptions of religion or having to meet a requirement of religion or that it's a sin to have sex before marriage or, or those kind of things. The views and the perspectives that are given from their parents and their family might be completely different. Now, meanwhile, I grew up Catholic. Okay, well, I should have all the seven sacraments and I have to be uh, baptized and catechized and ugh, all these things to, to be able to stay in the church and then I have to get married if I want to have a bride or, or welcome a partner into my life. Um, and if I don't, then it's, it's negative on the church. And if you have a divorce or whatever, it's negative on the church and the family looks lower and, and all this kind of stuff. Now, 
so that's just the base level. So there, there's no bond. They may may agree with marriage or they may have to agree with marriage at the governmental level. Oh, you got to have a marriage license and you got to get a blood test and you got to do all this kind of stuff. So you make sure you're not marrying a cousin or whatever. These are all rules at the next level, which is the governmental and the, the ruling and the, the rules level. Now, how do you uh, work in cooperation with that, that woman to, to date? Okay. Well, how long do we date for? And, and, uh, uh, how do we talk about what we want and children and how we're going to grow up the children in, in what are they going to be in a religion or not? Um, these are all things that are completely different in realities and can create conflicts and fights. And you don't even know it's there until you start cohabitating or, or becoming part of the same family. Um, can you imagine the, the obligations and stuff that come with uh, if those two those two people had sexuality together, the obligations of, oh, now I'm a sinner or whatever because I did it outside of marriage, which might be the Catholic perspective, but in their perspective, it might be I'm just trying to figure out if I'm sexually compatible with this person. There's no rules breaking, broken. It doesn't mean that we're now moving to getting married or, or locked into that. The two perspectives can be quite different. And all of a sudden, it's like without communication, without having a determined effort to comprehend what their reality is you can get into a lot of clashes and that's what most conflict in relationships is is two people coming up with two different perspectives on things and each are assuming that the the same have the both or both have the same baseline and when they don't have the same baseline guess what when there becomes a a confusion or an expectation or an obligation these are unstated usually um, there creates a resentment between two people. Hey, you didn't do that or whatever. I expected you to call me after our first date or, or I want you, if we had sexuality together, I want you to, uh, take me for dinner the, the next day or call me the next morning and confirm that everything was good because maybe they had a bad experience and that person ran away. Well, how do you know that unless you talk or you assume or you hope and you, you just try and walk on eggshells to to meet all the expectations of the other person, but without the discussion or a clear clarity that you both have the same mindset on everything, um, it just crashes. The whole system of marriage and pushing people together and assuming all the realities are the same uh, make it very difficult. For example, in marriage, um, you choose to be married with a person and there's a hope that once you're married, you set this vow of I lo love, honor and cherish until sickness do us part, blah, blah, or until death do us part and sickness and health, blah, blah, blah. Well, it locks you into one person meeting all your needs. That's what marriage does. And then at the same time, it makes it impossible. We, we have jealousy, we have insecurities, we have other things. So we'll lock into a person and maybe let's say I'm a man, for example, and I've been married for a few years and we have kids, everything's busy or whatever. And I sit down for uh, a, a drink after work with a woman. Well, that would be a relationship breaker for some wives because what are you doing? Why are you spending time with another woman? You should be making all your focus on me. Well, the same can go for a woman. 
the woman can go out for a drink with the guy she knows or or whatever. And a lot of times this is like tantamount to an affair. Well, why should I stop talking to other women if there's an insecurity in in my wife? Now, this requires a lot of communication, but if it's done with the assumption that they're going to be okay with it, it can be a like big tower moment to say, holy shit, we're breaking up or you're, you're chasing other women or, or whatever, when really, can you not have a friendship with a partner of the opposite sex? These are things that aren't discussed before the marriage. These are things that don't have rules or, or clear definitions in a marriage. So you end up with these situations that just kind of create clashes. Now, as children get in the mix and and, uh, people get comfortable with each other or whatever, things like sexual needs and stuff can can drift and and people get frustrated that their partner, I've been through it, I've had three kids, the partner eventually gets to be more in mothering mode and and things can shift away from sexuality or, or wanting to have that pleasure because everybody's exhausted and nobody has time to do these things. Well, what happens in that situation? It's like, if you're a sexual person and you wanted that in your life or whatever, you're kind of like stuck without a big conversation and without all this stuff. And then if that doesn't work out and the conversation doesn't have and, and no agreements are made, then eventually somebody's being frustrated and resenting the other person. And then there creates these blow-ups. And I think that's part of where the big blow-ups happen after uh, people have been married for a few years. They stay in a marriage, they get frustrated with all this kind of stuff and they grow apart sexually or, or physically, like just kisses or touches or whatever. And then eventually the resentment builds up. People stick in the marriage until the children uh, graduate or leave the house or whatever, and then they move on. Or sometimes if they're hurting bad enough, they'll just poof and, and blow up. How much of these things are communicated between you and your marriage partner? How much of these things are resentments inside of you that things are never been, have ever been talked about or they've been talked about but in a really roundabout way? So it creates these holes in having our needs met, but we've never actually been taught how to have our needs met or to speak about our needs. And it can be a very edgy spot. Can you imagine a sexual partner that, uh, it, let's say your partner said, hey, I want to try bondage sometime. And some people do. This is edgy play and it gives them a chance to explore and, and be more playful. And it's like, ooh, that scares the hell out of me. I don't want to have bondage. Or their idea of bondage is really uh, scary. Maybe like people getting whipped and, and tied up and blood, blood play or whatever. When really bondage was a pair of handcuffs and uh, just taking somebody out of a little bit of control for a little bit. Some of these things can be the most amazing marriage reawakeners, these amazing new playground areas uh, for people, but they're so demonized by society or there's so much in fear that people will run from it. And if your partner says that or or anal sex, for another example, or whatever, and men can even want prostate play or, or other things, but we get into these areas and all of a sudden people just freeze and it's like, Ugh, that's dirty, that's bad, that's whatever, it's going to hurt. Or maybe they had a bad experience and a trauma in that area. 
when really it should be two partners coming in and saying, hey, this really excites me. Is this something that we could negotiate? Is this something that we could talk about or, or play with some toys with or, or something like this? But it, often uh, the decision about that thing is actually made far before somebody taught them or maybe they had a bad experience with somebody doing this kind of stuff. It was decided by the previous experience. But now there's two different people involved. And maybe the parents are saying that's dirty or the church is, is bad on that or, or whatever. These decisions get made not by the partners, but one of the partners is going on previous programming. So a lot of this stuff that we're talking about of what our reality is, is really just programming from before. It's not good to do this. Can you imagine how many people, like even, um, uh, for example, sexuality has, it makes noise for most people. Well, a lot of people were conditioned that they were in the bathroom and they couldn't make noise because they were hiding the fact that they were giving themselves pleasure. So they're conditioned to close their throat off in the middle of their pleasure with another person because they don't feel free for that. And how does a partner know that maybe you should encourage them to make noise, encourage them to get into the full when they're really cutting themselves off, like almost choking themselves. But these aren't talked about in, in a marriage. Um, what are other things like uh, what the kids should do, what the kids are allowed to do? What age do you leave the kids at home alone with uh, to look after themselves? Latchkey kids, those kind of things. These are all based on, on reality things. If you're a farm kid or whatever, more than likely you were doing chores from 8 or 10. But if you grew up in the city, in a bad neighborhood or whatever, you weren't ever allowed to have a key and somebody always had to drop you off at the door or, or whatever because a parent was scared and, and worried that something bad would happen on your way home. All different realities, all in the same world at the same time, based on different perspectives, different uh, details that have been going on in their reality. How many times does that happen in, in different things? It's like, oh, don't drive through the bad neighborhood because you might have something because you read it, on, or heard, read it in the paper or saw it on the news. That keeps you from maybe taking the shortest route home. Did that ever happen to you? No, it's the news said that. Maybe you drive through it one day and it's like, oh, yeah, it was really true. Or, oh, wow, where the hell did this come from? This is a lot of, looks like normal houses. There's a lot of media that's going on right now that's saying things that are, are, are actually not actually truthful. Oh, there's a war going on here and look at all these people and then you find out in a different, uh, uh, more public media source or whatever, this is the same picture that they're showing, this is recent, in the Ukraine, was actually from five years before in a completely different country. And they show, showed the pictures right up beside each other. Some news media guy just grabbed that picture, wanted to make a story about war and people getting hurt. So did the war even happen? Or was he just lazy? All of a sudden, ooh, what's true? Did I go over there and did I see it? Did I see people getting injured and killed or whatever? Anybody could say anything across the other side of the world and, and not tell you, but the story could be completely different in the country itself. Oh, we're having a little skirmish and we're fighting for our rights or, or whatever. And other people are like, the whole country is, is uh, invading. How many of these things are happening every day? How many of these things do you question? How many of these things do you know is truth? Did you look it up? And look at some of the things that have happened in our world in the last couple of years. Did you look it up? Did, is it true? There's, there's an interesting post on the, on the National Institute of Health website that explains the whole uh, 
situation over the last two years and, and does not say the actual story of what it was. It says something very different and very controlling, but on a government-controlled website. What's going on? Is that a reality that you can believe? Is that truth? So what I'm really getting to the bottom of is our reality is a made-up set of circumstances, experiences, programming from our parents, rules and laws and everything from our government. And the more and more we trust those sources and, and take it, just like we did with our parents, as truth, we're left with little blocks inside of ourselves. Like if you believe because your hands got slapped when you're a child that you can't explore and can't touch, how much is your reality shut down? How much fear do you have that somebody's gonna slap your hand when you least expect it? They'll come up behind you and slap your hand. So the rest of your life, you can be kind of wandering around with this constant fear that some authority figure is gonna smack you. Do you think that's beneficial to you? Do you think that helps you? But it's in your subconscious. You're not sure that it's there, but it shows up. Your starts, heart, heart starts pounding. If the police pull you over, you see them in the distance or whatever. Is that things that show up in your, in your system? Now, are they serving you? Does that feel good? Is that making you feel free? Or does that make you feel like I got to comply? So starting to just go underneath, start to niggle away at everything you believe and stuff starts to change and you get a, a layer of freedom back that maybe you didn't have before and you start to get curious and want to get to the bottom of things ask questions get to what your whys are once you know your whys holy crap things change whys change our reality and once we start to explore that we start to be surprised. And that's all we're looking for in talking about new perspectives on reality is what are your whys? Why are you making choices? Are they choices that promote your freedom and your choice? Or is it choices that just keep you safe? And safe is good, but some of the safe isn't really safe. It's just saying, don't do that because we don't want you to do that. You might have too much fun. You might enjoy yourself too much, or you might get out of control. So where are you being told to do things for their benefit and where are you being told to do things for your benefit? And then you can even go that back to your parents or your church or your, your local law people. Hey, do they really have a say in uh, whether I get married or not? Do they really have a say in uh, choosing whether I have sexuality with a person? Does my religion choose that or does my mind or my hormones or my body or whatever? A lot of people aren't making choices from what they feel or what they want, but they're making choices from how they'll be perceived. Are they going to be a slut or somebody that sleeps around? Are they going to be somebody that uh, doesn't believe in marriage and, and just uh, uh, wanders around aimlessly, a free spirit or, or whatever? Are those actually bad things? There's a lot of people that do that and and they love their lives and they're not tearing apart marriages. They're giving possibility for other people. There's just two perspectives to everything. So I'm just asking you go in, you look underneath the perspectives, see what serves you, what feels good in your heart. And then once you start to change those, you start to walk a little bit more on the edge and the periphery of things and observe things and start to ask for more and figure out where your freedom comes from. And then you have a, a life that's magical. It's for you. It's not 
to keep everybody safe or to keep everybody comfortable. It's of what your needs are and loving yourself. And self-love is the biggest thing that we're searching for here. So anyways, just sit with that. Let it percolate and see where it sits inside your body and you'll be surprised. I love you all. Thank you for listening. This is New Perspectives on Reality with Paul Hanreter. You have a good night. We'll see you soon.